0: This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers.
1: Hey, Bird Shooter here. This is uh, episode number 18 tonight at N2 Backpacking. We're going to speak with Triple Crowner, Troubadour. I met him on the AT in 1994. Then he went on to hike the PCT in 1999. And then the CDT in 2002. Uh, So tonight, Troubadour is going to talk about his best and worst experiences on the trail. Some uh, favorite trail towns. Some hostels, some hitches, some sections of the trail that he liked uh, across the country. And basically just give us some general advice on through hiking and finishing the uh, ultimate U.S. backpackers dream of the Triple Crown. Uh, Troubadour was also a, uh, innovator in online websites for the hiking community back in the, uh, internet boom of 1995. And he'll talk about his ThroughHikers.com website, also PCTHiker.com, uh,
0: which he briefly owned and operated. So that said, let's, uh, welcome Troubadour to the show.
1: All right, this is Bird Shooter here. Tonight we have on the show Troubadour, a longtime friend of Bird Shooter that dates back 20 years, a triple crowner, and I have to welcome you to the show, Troubadour. It's been a long time since we've chatted.
2: Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, you're coming all the way to us from Seattle. Now, where do you live? Uh, in, do you live in the city itself? I actually used to work with a company out of Issaquah, which I guess is on the west side, right?
2: Yeah, I, live, uh, I guess I live in the city just a little bit north. Uh, in a neighborhood called Fremont, just a little bit above uh, Lake Union, if you're familiar with the uh, Seattle area.
1: Gotcha, and you got you got the Pacific Crest Trail in your backyard there. I'm envious. I do.
2: That's that's pretty much my favorite. That's my go-to spot.
1: So um, the last time we did an interview, troubadour, as you know, was at Trail Days in 1995, yeah. and. You're telling me you have not even listened to the interview that, that we did nearly 20 years ago?
2: I have not listened to it. I've been a little bit afraid of what I may have said. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I guess, I guess I'll go back and listen to it. I don't, I actually, I don't know why I haven't listened to it. In fact, I don't even really remember a whole – I remember doing it. I just don't, I don't remember what the questions were or anything about what I said. But for some reason, I've, I had some hesitancy about listening to it, but – I think perhaps after this one, I'll go back and and take a listen, see if I've grown in twenty years. <laughs> I
1: was I was actually dying to ask you your initial reaction to the uh, to the nineteen ninety five interview, but um, <laughs> you know, you, once you listen to it, you'll have to tell me like some of the things you liked from it and some of the things you didn't. Okay. But. Uh, but anyway, so, so out of curiosity, so you and I hiked the Appalachian Trail together in 1994. Yeah. And uh, I guess we met for the first time, you and I were talking earlier, on Max's Patch, right? I think, that,
2: I think that's right. I think that may have been the first time we met.
1: And so I was an April 10 start. You, you probably started a week or two after me. When did, when did you start the AT?
2: I started April 24th. Mm.
1: So you were two weeks behind me. Yep. Now, was that, was that the first time you'd ever been backpacking, or uh, what was your first backpacking trip?
2: No, I actually had been backpacking, I guess, for five years. I actually did not do any outdoor stuff at all, really growing up, aside from some car camping. And the whole reason I got the AT, Appalachian Trail, on my radar is one day a friend of mine who was a kayaker, we went out to lunch at work and he had to go to an outfitter to get some stuff for his kayak and so we walk into this outfitter and of course I don't have any interest in anything that's in the store. So he goes into the store and I'm hanging out in front and there's a brochure rack out front by the by the entrance. And I go over to the, I go over the brochure rack and I look through a few things and there's a brochure on the Appalachian Trail and I pull that out of the rack and I flip through it and read it and my friend comes back over to me, and I say, "I'm going to do this." <laughs> I hold up the brochure. I go, "I'm going to do this," and he's like, "Yeah, right." And so that very weekend was the first backpacking trip that I went on. I grabbed three of my friends, and we we cobbled together some gear from people that you know that we knew and borrowed, and um, we headed out on the Appalachian Trail near Harper's Ferry. And I think we were going to go for three or four days, and we ended up only making it two days. And uh, it was a pretty horrible experience because none of us knew what we were doing. I actually had a full-size guitar strapped to my backpack. (laughs) Nice. Excellent. And I was hiking in racquetball shoes.
1: No, even better.
2: Yeah, so after that experience, uh, two of my friends said they would never hike again, and uh, me and my other buddy decided we were going to try to keep doing it, and that's how I kind of got into backpacking.
1: Gotcha. So when when was the last time you did a backpacking trip?
2: Uh, the very last time?
1: Uh,
2: yeah. I, I actually got out and I did a week-long trip uh, in the North Cascades over the summer. Um, that's the first week-long trip I've done since 11 years ago, uh, since hiking the Continental Divide Trail. Um, so I did that trip and then I went out on a Labor, Labor Day weekend, I think, and uh, I did a solo hike. Uh, I was going to go for three days, but I ended up uh, going for two days because I actually, I actually pulled out a 20-miler, which was surprising, and then ended up uh, uh, finishing the loop that I was doing quicker. So.
1: Yeah, I got to be honest, uh, Troubadour, it's been a while since I've done a 20-miler, <laughs> so uh, you, you got me there. <laughs> so for, for the listeners here, you're, you're a triple crowner. You've done the uh, Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. So the AT in '94, the PCT in '98, '99, 99
2: '99, 99, and okay. the
1: CDT in 2002. Wow! So ten years, almost uh, just a little over ten years ago, you finished the CDT. So I mean, so basically, this all started for you twenty years ago this spring.
2: That is <laughs> true.
1: What What is the? Um, I guess in terms of being a triple crowner, what do you think? Like, were you were you in the First of the fifty to triple crown, you think you were in the first hundred? Do you have any idea where you would uh, where you would be in the count?
2: I I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea. Um, it's interesting because I think uh, you, the through hiking experience kind of changes a bit. Um, I guess as a, as I've done them, you know, I think the Appalachian Trail was all about. Figuring out if I could do it, <laughs> you know, you don't know if you can do it until until you're done and you've done it. And so, uh, you know, I had more confidence going into the other two experiences. Um, and I think I think the you just have that internal experience. You, you know what it's like and you've done it. And I think that was enough for me. So I haven't really worried about accolades or or, or a list of who's done it and that type of stuff, I guess.
1: So the, the, I guess there is a annual gathering where they award the new triple crowners their uh, you know a plaque what have you. Would, did you attend that? Was that happening back in 2002, or did that is that something that kind of happened later?
2: Uh,
1: I don't know when that's happened,
2: and I've actually never really reported my CDT hike. I've gotten the little form that you fill out to send it in, but I've never really been motivated to do it. I did that for the AT, and I. I think I may have done it for the PCT when I finished that with the PCTA, but I haven't done it for the Continental Divide Trail. And the CDT is um, – they've had various organizations trying to um, protect and develop that trail, and a couple of them have gone, come and gone over the over the years. Um, so it hasn't really been as formal as for the AT and PCT. But I know it's the Long Distance Hikers Association that does um, – that has that list of triple crowners and uh so maybe one day I'll get off my butt and fill out the form and get it on
1: the list <laughs> yeah I interviewed Jester like a couple podcasts ago and one of the things he said is that uh, triple crowners are are much less impressed of themselves as other people are <laughs> so uh, so you're you're modest true to uh Jester's comment uh, in the last podcast
0: yeah.
1: so uh, another question for you is what well, yeah, I mean you were pretty much an innovator in the um world I guess of uh online forums for thru hikers because I, I think it was what like 95 you created com. Right? Yeah?
2: Yeah, I had that site and I had pcthiker.com and that was I had a little I had my online journal for my uh PCT hike on there so that was kind of uh, I guess that was out there early. In fact, it was kind of funny because I um I was actually on the PCT, on my hike, and I was in Ashland, Oregon, uh, resupplying, and I was at the grocery store there in Ashland, Oregon, getting supplies, and I was going into the checkout, and they had a backpacker magazine up there, and I flipped it open, and I flipped through a couple pages, and and they had done a little article about my website. (laughs) So that was actually pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why you were ahead of your time, because if you look at Whiteblaze, you know, today and how much traffic they get, um, mostly around the Appalachian Trail, but there's all kind of, you know, different comments going on there. Um, you know, I mean you were 10 years ahead of the curve, right? Like, I don't remember anybody else that had a forum that had that much activity back then. What what uh, what happened? I mean, I think I remember it going down within a couple of years of you starting it. Did you uh, just lose interest? Did you get focused on other stuff or –
2: yeah, I think I uh I think I may have lost interest in it and gotten busy with uh regular you know life and um yeah, I kinda I kinda let it go and uh <laughs> I think I actually lost the domain because it came up for renewal and I spaced out and uh <laughs> and lost the PCT hiker one. And so I think some Google AdSense guy has that and is trying to make money off of it. <laughs>
1: Got you. Now, you had a lot of activity at throughhackers.com. I remember that when you, uh, when you first launched it. So, so I'm, I'm curious to get your kind of take on how the different trails compare. Um, you know, and I know it's been a while since you hiked the CDT, but how, um, I guess one of the big questions I had was how do you compare the um, – I mean, how do you think the PCT especially has changed in the last 10 years? Because it seems like it's much more developed than maybe it was in 2002. Do you think there's any truth to that?
2: The Continental Divide Trail, you mean?
1: Well, the Pacific Crest oh, Trail.
2: Oh, well, the Pacific Crest Trail is, I mean, when I did it in 99, it was very established. Um, yeah, there was a trail from pretty much start to finish. You could lose it here and there in the desert um, in areas, you know, where it's just windy and no path really gets uh, marked into the ground because of the footsteps. Um so that that trail was um, it was pretty good. <laughs> I mean it's not like the Appalachian Trail where you've got white blazes every couple hundred yards and you've got constant reassurance that you're actually on the path um, so the p c t you know has markers every so often you know every five miles or something like that and then by contrast the continental divide trail you won't see a marker maybe for a week or something like that and when you see one you're like oh i'm i'm on the trail <laughs> or i'm in the right place
1: yeah right uh, do you do you think the cdt's come a long way in 10 years or do you think it's still um i mean it's probably hasn't changed that much in 10 years uh
2: like I was mentioning before there's been a Bunch of organizations that have tried to get together to make things happen—the Continental Trail, uh, Continental Divide Trail Alliance, and I forget what the latest one is—but they have never been quite successful at doing doing that. And you know, it was 11 years ago that I hiked it, and I've only learned a little bit about it from Wolverine, who was actually from our AT class in '94, who hiked it this year, and he was calling me. Or I talked to him before the hike, and he was calling me during it and asking about routes and all this kind of stuff. And I was saying, well, 11 years ago, it used to do this. <laughs> and so I don't know if it's changed. And he has remarked that they have put in some new trail. Um, there's some areas in the Great Basin, which is a high desert, which um, when I went through, there was like an 18-mile highway roadwalk, which was completely horrible. Because um, it's a two-lane highway with no place to walk and eighteen-wheelers and all this kind of stuff. But he did mention that they have trail on there, which is about fifty yards off the highway now. So, um, so it looks like they've they've made some some progress in that regard. Um, I think one of the things that I liked about my Continental Divide Trail experience is that that trail is is more I guess I would call it more wild than the other two because it's not a complete trail and part of the experience is you know there's a trail on a map but there's no trail in the actual uh on the earth you know so you have to you have to figure it out and find your own way and do some route finding in that regard so that that makes it a little more of a different type of adventure than the pct or the at because the you know they're pretty established and there's a there's a footpath you can see right there and it's kind of interesting when you're solo and you're by yourself and you're making choices about navigation and that can have a huge impact on your day. A couple times I walked seven seven miles in the wrong direction. You know, I get to the top of a mountain and I look out and I finally triangulate and realize I'm completely in the wrong place. <laughs> and uh, so that's a little different about the CDT. And, I, I would, and maybe it's selfish of me, but I would like it to kind of remain that way a little bit. To distinguish it from the other other two trails,
1: but yeah, the the fact that you're triangulating on the CDT uh, definitely sets it apart from the PCT and the AT. Did you have to do, did you have to do any hardcore route finding on the PCT at all? I'm sure you didn't on the AT.
2: Uh, no, I think the only time that I um, was really uh, concerned was in the high Sierra. The year I did it was a high snow year. Actually, I thought about doing it do it in nine I thought about hiking it in 98, but that year uh, I was looking at the snow levels, and they were 150%, 170% nor- of normal. And, of course, I'd never been out west before, so I didn't really know what that meant. And I, you know, I just knew that it was a, a large number. And so I decided not to go in 98, and then I went in 99, and I think it was 120% of normal or something like that. So anyway, the High Sierra was completely socked in with snow when I went through there. So that's where I was having to do some route-finding and navigation just because, you know, you, you don't see a trail. It's just snow, and you see other people's uh, footprints, but you don't know if they know where they're going and that sort of stuff. So um Beyond that, the navigation was pretty um pretty pretty straightforward. I did get lost here and there, you know sometimes you space out and you just wander off and <laughs> you know you take a wrong trail junction and that sort of thing but
1: yeah that, that happened to me more than a few times on the a t yeah. It's it's easy It's easy to get caught up in the uh i don't know just your thoughts, and the next thing you know, you're not sure where you are you know.
2: Yeah, they even put the, you know, they'll put the logs there and all that debris to keep you from going down the wrong path. And I just walk right over it. And
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So, um, so Wolverine just finished, and I'm going to try to corner him for a uh, podcast to, to follow yours up. But he just finished the PCT or the CDT to do his triple crown.
2: He just finished the Continental Divide Trail just uh, back in October.
1: And then the Pacific Crest Trail was the year before for yeah. him, right? Yep.
2: Yeah. Left, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I look. I definitely look forward to getting his uh, take on things. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, a, a question that I've always had, especially as I get older and seem to collect more liabilities, how, how do you get the time, and how do you get the financial independence to pull to pull off three major long distance hikes?
2: Well, um, I guess each one of them for me was a transitional period. Um, I actually, you know, I deliberately planned to hike the Appalachian Trail. And when I hiked the Appalachian Trail, I didn't even know the other two trails existed. I think I learned about the PCT from other hikers while hiking the Appalachian Trail. And so I really only set out to hike the Appalachian Trail. You know, I fell victim to the advertisement of that brochure, you know, kind (laughs) of... I was a weak-minded, and I read the brochure, and it kind of sucked me in, and and uh, so that was my goal to do that hike. And uh, after that hike, I moved to New York City and was working in the advertising industry. And I I knew that New York City wasn't going to be the place for me, where I was going to live my life, but I wanted that experience and. You know, if you hike the Appalachian Trail, you kind of like some adventure, and I thought that would be an adventure living in New York City, and you know, in my 20s, and see what that was, that was about. And um, but I knew it wasn't for me ultimately. And I was thinking about when I left New York City that I would head out west, and and so when the time came for me to do that, I didn't really have a plan other than I was going to go west. Uh, And I didn't have a job or anything like that. I just decided I was going to go, and I figured that a good transition would be to hike the Pacific Crest Trail um, as a uh, transition period from being an urban New Yorker to uh, uh, coming out west. And so I get, you know, once I finally started thinking about the Pacific Crest Trail, and it had been five years since I'd done the Appalachian Trail. And the little, you know, the hiking, the thru-hiker feeling started to, you know, manifest or come alive again. Um, So I started making plans um, to do that. And, and, you know, really those thru-hikes are not really expensive adventures um, overall in the scheme of things. So you know, with that type of transition, it just worked out well, and I, you know, living in New York City, apartments are very tiny, so you don't have a whole lot of stuff to begin with, so it it was great to just be able to just jump out and do that one, so that's how I pulled off the Pacific Crest Trail, and then I ended up doing the Continental Divide Trail, not so much by, well, it was a choice, but I I, um, was working in the dot-com industry, and as you know, back in the Back in those days, the the aughts or whatever, early 2000s, that industry took a major hit. So I I was laid off in November of um, 2001, I guess that is, yeah, 2001 November. And so I fought long and hard about, you know, obviously I was trying to get another job and work was just not... To be found here or elsewhere i was looking out of state and finally i just came to the conclusion that i just needed to kill some time to wait for the economy to turn around a little bit and so i started thinking about adventures to go on or something like that and uh i was doing a gut check i'd done the pacific crest trail just in 99 and it was only 2001 and i was thinking about it and i just i felt that i didn't have it in me i didn't think i was mentally tough enough to pull off a through hike again that soon. And so this was November, 2001. So I kept trying to come up with other ideas of stuff to do. And finally time went by and it's June. And then finally I just decided, you know, when am I going to get this much time off again in my life? And I have the time. So I might as well at least give it a try. I might at least give it a try. And so I decided in June of 2002 to give it a try and by then I'd waited so long that I couldn't start in the south I needed to start up north because if I started in south I would have probably died in the heat of the desert and all that kind of stuff so I needed to start up north and um so anyway that's sorry that's a long-winded story of how I, how I ended up doing those three hikes so I ultimately didn't feel I was ready for it but I just said all right I'm just going to show up and see what happens
1: you know, Troubadour, there's nothing like a crash in the economy to get you out on the trail. <laughs> I, uh, I I was in the dot com world as well and um, lost my job, what, the end of o uh, two Ended up going to Europe instead, but uh, I hear you. Did some hiking in Norway, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But um, so you were mentioning going southbound on the CDT. Um, I would expect that you'd spend a lot of your time alone, right? There's probably not a lot of other through hikers that, uh, that you can travel with where you by yourself most of that time
2: um oddly enough i left to go on by myself and that year in 2002 there were three southbounders and i actually met the other two guys at the very beginning i decided so late and i did such i did very little planning um for the hike um i i bought a you know, I went ultralight and I bought a tiny backpack, I think one of the first go light packs and and I went to REI on the way to the train station to East Glacier and I got on the train having never packed a pack. I just bought new shoes and 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 I to be honest, I didn't even know where to go. I was uh, I was just thinking, "All right, I'm get I got a train ticket to East Glacier and when I get off the train, I'll just ask someone." <laughs> Well, they'll know or there will be a park ranger or something. And uh so I that was kind of my lack of planning. But I obviously I'd done two through hikes before so I had some confidence, but I didn't really have any planning about the trail and I the train pulls up to East Glacier and I get out and I start I see a little the little train station hut and beyond that it looks like a lodge and so I think, Oh, I'll just go over to the lodge and ask someone where I need to go or something like that. And I get out and I start walking towards the train station building. And there's this very tall guy standing there, this tall, skinny guy. And he says to me, are you a thru-hiker? And I said, I, I might be. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And I go, how, how did you know? And he said, "Well, everyone else getting off the train has these huge monstrous backpacks, and you've got this little tiny one." <laughs> and, uh, and I go, "Oh yeah." So anyway, that that was Mike, and he uh, he was going through hike, and he ended up through hiking, and he was waiting there to pick up this other guy named Jason, and who actually missed the train and was not on the train. And so he said, "You know, I'm here with my grandfather, and we have you know a van, and you know we can." If you need to go somewhere, we can drive you somewhere or something like that, and so that's how I hooked up with Mike, and then Jason came the
1: next day. And did you did you guys stay together for most of the hike, or did you kind of split up and get back together, or how'd that play out for you?
2: Um, so we started out together. We went through Glacier National Park, and then halfway through Montana, before Mike uh, decided to take off. He was, you know, he's six seven, so he was very fast, very motivated. Um, so he took off and so I, I could have kept up with him and, but I was still kind of like, what am I doing? Am I going to try to do a through hike or am I just going to hike for a month? And I couldn't quite figure out what my deal was. And so I just kind of hung, hung back with, uh, Jason and his trail was Turtle. And, uh, so he and I hiked most of the trail together and we, we split up sometimes where our planning had – I planned to go to one town, he planned to go to another one. So we would spend a couple of days, three or four or five days going solo till we uh, would run into one another again.
1: So so a question for you um, on just like if you're going out for a thru-hike the first time, can you recommend the CDT as, a, as your first thru-hike or would you recommend the PCT or AD, AT first?
2: You know, that's a tough one. I, um, a lot of people ask me to compare the three and, you know, which one I like better and that sort of thing. And I, um, I I kind of compare them this way. I get, or I, I kind of say if I only, if I could only do one through hike, if I could only do one, um, well, no, that doesn't work well either. I don't know. I, I guess it depends on what you want. If you want to have a real rugged wilderness experience, I think the Continental Divide Trail is the way to go, mainly because it's the longest, 3,100 miles. You have limited time to do it. Um, just because you have the um, Glacier National Park in the north and then down in the south you have the San Juan Mountains in Colorado, so you have two huge obstacles you either have to get to you know, before the snow hits so if you want a rugged wilderness experience and you feel confident that you can handle a lot of adversity, I would say the CDT would be a good choice. If you want a lot of company, a lot of um, <clears throat> social uh, experiences, and meeting a lot of interesting people, I think the uh, the Appalachian Trail is good uh, for that. Very, It's much more social because there's much many more people. It's also on the East Coast where there's greater population density, so you're going to meet people and see people a lot and then if you want i think this i would i would say the pacific crest trail has the most well, i don't know it has a lot of beauty you know the there's you know the high sierra the north cascades very beautiful and um so if you kind of want an established trail with the most beauty i think the pct would be a good choice um for that
1: ah. what was your what was your personal favorite if I can ask,
2: yeah, that's, that's a hard one to answer because they were they were so different, and my experiences were different. Um, I think each one has a each one is kind of a treasure, you know. Each one is a treasure that I really uh, am glad I was and feel fortunate that I could experience it. And I think I think the CDT was um, it was just hard that one was just hard. <laughs> it was plain hard. And I think a lot of that had to do with just my my mindset and my I just was not I I just felt that I didn't have it in me. Even though I pulled it off, I felt I didn't have it in me. And when you when you, when it's not a burning desire, when you don't have this gut burning desire to do it, it becomes things can be more difficult and more challenging. Whereas on the Pacific Crest Trail, I never doubted one moment that that I wasn't going to make it in fact, that's what made that trail so fun is I just never you know every day was fun and and that type of stuff so and then the obviously the the appalachian trail you know being the first hike and the first experience like that is just an amazing experience and and to be able to share it with people and become you know have develop lifelong friendships with people that's that's very rare, uh, type of experience.
1: Hey, so I, I got to ask you with the CDT at, and I don't know the exact statistic on how much of it is complete, but maybe somewhere around 70%. What do you think, um, how much of that affected your motivation? Just the fact that it wasn't 100% complete and that it was harder because you had to route fine and you had to, you know, you were really out there without a completely blazed drill.
2: Yeah. Um, that, i'm I'm gonna claim some ignorance because i did I didn't do a whole lot of research or anything in the Continental Divide Trail before I left um, so I was kind of figuring that out as I went along, and I probably would have done it would probably have served me well to probably take a refresher course in navigation <laughs> before I sat out on that um that probably would have helped me. Uh, I did end up getting lost a lot, and it it was a it was a familiar pattern every day, you know, because I would hike until, you know, I'd hike until 6 p.m. and then I would make dinner, and then I would get up and I hike until dark or after dark, and and that was usually when I would get lost, because when it starts getting dark, you can't see as well, and you can't, you know, you can't figure things out, so you get lost at dark, and then you spend another hour and a half cooling around in the dark until finally you're just like all right i'm just going to camp and figure it out in the morning and then you know while you're trying to go to sleep then all the little details that you were totally bypassed while you're hiking all start to come to your mind you're like oh yeah when i saw that i should have turned here dah, dah, dah. so usually by morning you've kind of figured out where you went wrong and you can figure it out uh, the next day but um yeah a couple times i went seven miles the wrong way and uh, one time, yeah, 7, 14 miles, something like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, from, from what I've heard, you're certainly not the first CDT hiker to do that. All right, Troubadour, here's here's the big thought-provoking questions, if you're ready.
2: I'll try. I'll try my best. What
1: What is the most absolute weirdest place that you've ever slept on a thru-hike?
2: Hmm. <clears throat> Let's see, weirdest place. Um... <clears throat> I don't know if I have something that's that weird. I mean, you're sleeping on the ground a lot outdoors. Um, I think on the Pacific Crest Trail, I, in the last town heading north, is a town called Stahican, and I ended up, me and a couple other thru-hikers kind of snuck into this house and slept on the floor. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird. I mean, I guess it felt weird because it felt like we were trespassing in this. It wasn't someone's house, but it was like a hut of some type. And by then it was very cold out at night, and so we ended up uh, sleeping in there. <clears throat> and uh, I slept on the floor, and I remember I did not sleep well at all because I felt so uh bad about trespassing and that someone would walk in at any moment <laughs> and we would all be in trouble.
1: Now was it actually like a cabin in the woods or was it more a real house in a community?
2: It was like it was like a ca- the the town of Stahican is is very uh it's not really a, a town so to speak. I mean it is kind of, but it's very very small. And one of those thru hikers is uh what was his trail name? um Homebrew I think he referred to it as, like, a map a map room or a map house or something like that, and I never really knew what it was. But, <clears throat> uh, yeah, we ended up sleeping in there, and it was fine. We went in there after dark, and then we got up early, but <laughs> it was not very restful, even though it was warm and indoors, so that was nice.
1: So, so on that topic, uh, you actually teed me up perfectly to ask you, like, do you, can you give me your best trail magic you've ever had on a uh, – on a through hike?
2: Let's see. I think, um, one of the, I think one of the best on the Continental Divide Trail was in, uh, Montana, along the Montana-Idaho border. And there's a pass, I think it's called Bannock Pass, and it is out in the middle of nowhere. There's a dirt road that cuts through there. And I think it's uh, an hour and a half drive from there to just get out to a, a real road. And <clears throat> me and Turtle got to that pass at maybe 7 p.m. or something like that, and we sat there at the road forever and forever, and and there was no traffic coming. <clears throat> and we both had mail drops it, it, into this town of Ledo Idaho, and so finally we decide, okay, no one's no one's gonna come for us, so we'll just hike on a little bit and camp up on a bluff. So we get all the way up to the top of this bluff and we start setting up our camps and we we get about everything set up in camp and we look out in the distance and see some car lights and we're thinking, All right, there's a car coming. This is our chance. So this this is after dark by then. And so we're like, quick, we got to pack up. So we pack up everything and we go rushing down to, the, to where the dirt road is and we get there. And of course, we have to sit there for an hour because the car was so far off in the distance that it took that long for, for, the, for it to get there. And so here we are, two, you know, looking like homeless people in the middle of the night somewhere in this dirt road. And this truck pulls up and we're both, we have our hands out, our thumbs out and and they pull over, and we couldn't believe it. And we open up the door, and we look, and it's this woman with her, like, four-year-old daughter in this pickup truck. And she she volunteers to give us a ride. These two complete strangers out in the middle of nowhere. So that was unbelievable. So she drives us the whole two hours or however long it is to get down that hill into Lead Ore, and we pull up of course everything in town is closed so we pull up to this bar and the the guy is leaving because the place is closed and she just yells out to him and says hey uh any chance these guys can get some food <laughs> and the guy and the guy says well we're closed but uh we'll just open back up for you
0: awesome
2: <laughs> and so he opened back up he called the cook over and the one hotel in town, he was friends with the uh, people there, called him up and said we were going to come down. He said, go down there and take a shower and come back and we'll be ready. And and uh, So, yeah, that was pretty phenomenal.
1: Yeah, that's pretty solid. Did you have a favorite trail town? I mean, so many to choose from between the AT, the Pacific Crest, and the Continental Divide. Is there, is there one trail town that really just won you over?
2: Um, yeah, I thought... It's kind of a hard one. Uh, I definitely liked, I think everyone likes uh, Damascus in in Virginia uh, where Trail Days is. I liked that one a lot. I ended up spending two or three days there, I think. I did the, me and this other guy that I just met, uh, I was hiking by myself and I I dumped into a shelter at lunchtime and decided to take a two-hour nap and when I woke up, there's some guy sitting there at the edge of the shelter, and it uh, turns out his name was Rob. I forget what his trail name was Kung Fu Rob, Kung fu Rob, and
1: uh, yeah, I remember him, <laughs>
2: yeah and uh, so we, so we headed out and we hiked a day together, and I don't know if you recall from the A T. but that's where the Tennessee Turnpike is down there. right. And so I said, you know what, I'm thinking of doing the turn- Tennessee Turnpike. And I, I think it was 40 miles. And so this guy I just met said, all right, let's do it. So we, we stayed at, a, I think it was Watauga. Or it wasn't the dam- there was a dam there. What was it called, Watauga Lake Dam or something? Yeah. yeah.
1: That was right, right outside of Hampton, Tennessee, right? Yeah. So that's where we
2: stayed that night. And we got up at 3 a.m. and we hiked all the way to Damascus oh. and got there at like 11 p.m. And I said, if, I, you know, if we pull this off, I'm going to take the extra day off in, in, in Damascus. So, of course, the next day, my knees all swelled up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I liked Damascus a lot. I think on the Pacific Crest Trail, uh, there's a really nice town called Aguadulce and down in the desert, and there's a couple there who help out through hikers, uh, the Softlees. I think that's their names, if I remember. And they let us camp in their yard and, and do laundry and all that kind of stuff. So that was pretty awesome for early on in the hike. And then on the Continental divide Trail, the Continental Leviat, the, the towns are so far away from the trail that uh, there aren't a whole lot of trail towns where the trail actually goes through. But one that sticks out in my mind is Grand Lakes in Colorado. Um, they actually have a really nice hostel there as well, um, but that's one where you actually come down on the mountains and you walk right through town, and so that's really nice, and, and there's little shops and of course ice cream and all that kind of stuff, so that's really, really cool.
1: Yeah, that actually leads me to another question for you, and that is, um, hitchhiking. Did you, like, do you have a great hitchhiking, hitchhiking tale to tell from, uh, from any of the three major trails?
2: (coughs) Um, sure. I think the the Continental Divide is the toughest for for hitchhiking because you're so far removed from the towns, and these passes are, some of them are just highways, highway passes, and people don't know about the Continental Divide Trail like they know the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail. So to them, you kind of look just, you're just a hobo, Um, wanting a free ride or something like that. So one time, I had a good hitchhiking story in um, Idaho. I was trying to get into this town of, or hang on, was it Idaho or Wyoming? Uh, I think it was Wyoming, Du Bois, Du Bois, Wyoming. And I forget, it was either a Friday or a Saturday, and I was 30 miles from the, from the highway, and I was with... Turtle at that time and I was going I was going into that town of Du Bois and he wasn't going in there and I think it was a Saturday and so I needed to get in there before the post office closed at five o'clock. And I was thirty miles from the road, so I got up that morning and said, I'm I'm motoring, I gotta kick butt to get into town before the post office closes. Otherwise, I have to stay over Sunday as well, you know, to wait until it opens up on Monday, so anyway, I take off and i am I am flying the whole day as fast as I can, and I finally get to the the road crossing uh, and I think it was a forty i think a forty mile hitch into into Du bois wow,
1: That's and, a long way
2: yeah, and so I'm standing there, standing there, standing there, and finally a car comes by and guy pulls over and says, Where are you going? and I go, Du Bois. And he said, Well, I'm not going that far, but I can take you part of the way. And I said, Well, as far as you can go, that's great. So I get in the car and we're off and we're driving down the mountain and uh, he we start to talking and I'm saying, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh I can account to the a trail, all this kind of stuff. But it turns out that he's a writer for a guidebook uh, for trails in Wyoming. Oh, wow. And so uh, so we start talking about that, and we're driving down the road, and he pulls over the road, and he's like, I want to show you something, and he points back, and there's this big sign that says, something, something, ranch, no trespassing, uh, trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again. And so he points us out to say that there's a big problem in Wyoming with land rights and how a lot of the, the peaks – um, and mountains around there, which are public lands, are blocked by all this private property, so you can't get access to it. And so he was pointing at this, that sign for this one ranch. And so after we talked for a while, he decided, you know what, I'm going to take you all the way into into town. And so he takes me off and drops me off at the post office at 4.50 p.m. I got into the post office with 10 minutes to spare. Wow. And I got my resupply. So then the next day... I stay over, and the next day I'm going to hitchhike back out. And in Wyoming, hitchhiking is illegal, so you have to be discreet about it. And <clears throat> so I'm standing on the edge of town, and when a car comes by, I casually stick my thumb out real quick. And, and from that point, I had not never been picked up by – usually those big diesel pickup trucks, those guys never stop for you. Or that was my, <laughs> my experience was those guys would never stop.
1: Right. Hey.
2: And so I see one coming, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll stick my thumb out anyway. So I stick my thumb out, and the guy shockingly pulls over. So I get in the car, and, and he goes, where are you going? And I'm like, oh, I'm going up to the pass. And he's like, well, I'm not going that far, but I'll take you far as far as as uh, um, I can. And I go, cool. So we're driving along, talking a little bit. He's asking me what I'm doing, you know, coming on the vibe, blah, 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 laid off, dot com, boom, out to see the country, and and he's like, oh, yeah, we're, at, we're into the outdoors, too, you know, hunting and ATVs and motocross and all this kind of stuff where uh, it's a little different. And so he says, uh, I'm going to have to let you out here because this is as far as I'm going. And he pulls over he lets me out, and I thank him. And he goes, he drives a little bit further and pulls over and gets out and opens up this gate. And he opens up the gate. Right next to that big sign that the other guy pointed out to me the day before, the saying, such yeah. and, saying such and such ranch, uh, you know, trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again. And so no it's kind way. of it's kind of funny that my hitchhiking experience was like these diametrically opposed experiences of the, you know, the guidebook rider resentful of the landowner, and here's the landowner giving me a ride back up there. So.
1: That's classic. Yeah. So so in being in some of these towns, was was there a hostel that uh that's one of your favorites? I mean I guess you mentioned Damascus earlier and, and the place obviously is there, but is there um any any other hostel on any of the three major trails that really stick in your mind as one of your favorites?
2: Oh, uh, I think in on the as one of my favorites. I don't know if I have a favorite, but I just I have a couple that are memorable, obviously the place and uh There's, on the PCT, there's one in uh, Truckee, California, and I forget what, what it's called. And it's just this guy who, I don't think he does it all the time, he just will periodically host hikers. And it's kind of off the beaten path, and I can't even remember how it got there, to be honest. But he has this house that's on this lake. And it was just a, a beautiful experience because I actually slept on the dock out on this lake uh, overnight. And then he he actually had a climbing wall in his living room. And if you want to get a lot of laughs is to look at a lot of through hikers trying to climb a wall, you know, because by then your whole upper body has atrophied, <laughs> you know, upper body right. strength, you know, like to hold on to stuff. And, and uh, so that place was really kind of cool. And... Then on the CVT, I really liked the hostel in Grand Lakes. That was really a – I mean, it was like a mountain hostel. It was really big and and, and beautiful. There weren't many thru-hikers in there. It was mainly a hostel for, you know, non-thru-hikers, so that was kind of interesting uh, as well. Those are the ones that kind of stick out.
1: Did you get a lot of questions from the uh, non-thru-hiking types that were staying at the hostel?
2: Uh yeah. Oh, I did, and actually, uh, it reminds me of a funny story because this isn't really. This is off the path on the Continental Divide Trail. Uh, we, me, and my buddy hitchhiked in a Taos, New Mexico, which is kind of far from the trail.
1: Ski town, right? And, and it's a ski town, right?
2: Uh, I, it may be. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of a big. It's known for uh, being kind of an artsy town, and uh, we we had met. Uh, these three women who were hiking, they were actually CD hi- CDT hikers. They ended up just doing sections, but they were northbound and we were southbound, and we had hooked up uh, through emails, and they had said, if you're in Yellowstone at this such and date, you know, give us a call because we've be got a condo there or whatever. So we ended up meeting them in Yellowstone and spent a couple days with them, and I had her, I think through email, they said that they were in Taos. So one, one day we were walking along and we came to the road, we were looking at the map and I said, you know, this goes to Taos. We could, why don't we take, you know, 30 minutes and stand here. If a car comes by and we get a ride, we'll go into Taos. If it doesn't, we'll just keep going. And so we, we hitched, I think a pickup pulled over and gave us a ride to Taos. And, uh, and of course the hostel there, sorry, I'm giving you a long winded story. Um, The hostel there is on the outside of town but the guy dropped us off in the middle of town and so we had to hitchhike again out there and we're by the road and this this another pickup pulls over and and the guy says, Where are you going? and we're like, Oh, the hostel and he's like, Oh, that's where we're going too And so he goes, You can get in the back So we go to get in the back and there's already four other people in the back of this pickup (laughs) So we get in there and they're like, Where are you going? and we're like, Oh, we're going to the hostel and and they're like, oh, that's where we're going to. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, we're hiking the Continental Divide Trail. And they're like, oh, there's some girls at the hostel doing the same thing. <laughs> they are like, oh, that's where uh, that's where we're gonna try to meet them. But anyway, long story short, that hostel there in Taos is actually uh, uh, pretty cool as well. Sorry.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. That's awesome. What do do you have like a favorite section of? I mean, of all these miles of trail that you've done across the, uh, you know, the Rockies, the the West Coast, the East Coast. Do you have a favorite section of trail?
2: Uh, yeah, the one that sticks out. So I guess I could tell you for each one. Obviously for the Appalachian Trail, the White Mountains are phenomenal. Um, and Maine. Actually, I like all of New Hampshire and Maine. 100-mile um, wilderness. Those uh, definitely stick out for me. Vermont, yeah. Especially in the fall. It's uh, very beautiful up there. Uh, For the PCT, the High Sierra is uh, obviously a a big one, Um, and also the North Cascades. North Cascades are almost kind of similar uh, a little bit to um, the High Sierra and Yosemite. Well, a little bit, not exactly, but it reminds me of that. Um, So definitely the High Sierra and Yosemite, very beautiful. And then on the Continental Divide Trail, the best section that I would – that I've always been wanting to go back to is the Wind River Range in Wyoming. And that's that's some of the most mind mind blowing beauty that I've seen. Amongst the three, I think that that may be the best um best area to hike. Really yeah really amazing. I've
1: I've always wanted to go there. The are the elevations there, you're pretty much above tree line the whole time, right? No,
2: you can pop up and over. Um, some of the passes are up there, 10,000 feet and so. Um, <clears throat> uh, maybe, yeah, there's some trees. Uh, the weather there is crazy. I mean, it can be sunny, you know, and then next minute it's snowing. Um, so it's really crazy to burst, but it, it's, it's rugged and, and beautiful. And that's where the Cirque of the Towers is. I didn't even know about it until I was there, and uh, very... Very beautiful. In fact, this past summer I was thinking of trying to get back over there, but it's just logistically very difficult to get in there. You lose a lot of time to traveling to to get over there.
1: Yeah, that's how I've always wanted to go. That sounds like a cool place to go. Do you have any other major major trails you want to do? I know you do a lot of scuba diving now, but, like, in terms of hiking, um, are there any other major trails that are kind of on your wish list?
2: Um, I guess I've kind of... Looked a little bit at the Pacific Northwest Trail. Um, that one, hit, I don't know if you know that one, but it heads, uh, it goes east to west from Glacier National Park out to the Pacific Ocean. Right. Um, so I've kind of looked at doing that. I uh, also looked at the, um, it's called the Canada Trail, right? That's the one that goes coast to coast. Uh,
1: Trans-Can- yeah. Trans-Canada, right? Yeah,
2: Trans-Canada Trail. <clears throat> That one's not – I mean, that one's not finished at all either. There's a lot of road walking on that one. Um, I kind of looked at that, and sometimes when I'm feeling particularly crazy, I kind of think about the whole – I think there was some guy whose name I can't remember did a hike from the tip of South America up to the Arctic Circle or whatever. So I thought if I ever wanted to go completely crazy, I would try – perhaps that
1: (laughs) you need, that would, that would be a severe downturn in the economy. That would
2: uh, would have to be like a 10 year uh, (laughs) depression or something like that.
1: Exactly. And
2: I'd have to learn Spanish, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: But ultimately I've, I've thought about maybe doing the three again when I retire and I was contemplating, uh, I was actually talking to Wolverine about this saying, Hey, when we retire, why don't I was thinking of just pulling off a, a continuous triple crown of doing the CDT and then the AT, or in the, you know, the spring do the CTT, CDT, and then over the winter do the Appalachian Trail and then follow it up with the PCT in one continuous thing. So, if my knees are still functioning when I retire, that might be something i give a shot to.
1: Well you, well, you were kicking around going back to the AT, I think, when I swapped emails with you here a month or two ago, right?
2: You mean for a section hike or another through hike?
1: Well, for a for a second through hike, I, or is that is that not true?
2: Well, I think I would do it in kind of like the way I described as a uh, as part of the a continuous triple crown deal. I guess I would want to try to do things differently than I did before. So maybe a southbound AT and southbound PCT and a northbound CDT. I don't know. I haven't been on the AT in a long time. I it. it yeah, I haven't
1: been out there in a long time. It hadn't changed much. I mean, I I live here very close to Springer Mountain. I'm on the AT all the time in Georgia, North Carolina. I mean, it's uh, it hadn't changed much. And it may, amazingly, in 20 years, the hostels come and go, but uh, you know, the vibe is still very much the same. I, you know, interestingly, troubadour, I was in um, Harper's Ferry this summer, and I stopped. And anybody that's ever stopped there and looked, they've got a whole rack of, of um, notebooks that have pictures of all the people that came through, right? Yeah. And so the year you and I went through in 1994, there was one notebook, and for the most part, um, the five years prior, there was one notebook, and then all the years before that, there was multiple years crammed in a notebook, right? But now, 2013, 2012, 2011, there's pretty much three notebooks For every year, and that's that's how many people are coming through now. So there's a lot more people that are at least making it to Harper's Ferry than back in our time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I I think it's different in that regard for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I saw a couple of those pictures from our class, and it's really hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) what people are wearing and stuff.
1: (laughs) Purple and all that stuff. We weren't
2: that far out of the eighties, I think. You know.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, a few final questions for you. Like, you want to like give us the most ultimate day you've ever had in the backcountry? It doesn't necessarily have to be on a through cut through hike, but um, maybe start with your most miserable day ever, and then give us your best day ever.
2: Yeah. Let's see, the most, the worst day ever. Um, worst day ever. I think it was on the Continental Divide. I had a lot of bad days on the Continental Divide. Just like I said, because I didn't didn't have the gut, gut fire motivating me. So I actually, there were a lot of times that I almost quit on the CDT. Fortunately, most of the time happened, most of the time it happened, I was in the middle of nowhere, so I couldn't really do anything, just stand there for a while (laughs) and then keep going. But there was a a day in the, I think it was in the collegiate, collegiate peaks um, in Colorado and I ended up uh, not going fast enough and on my CDTI, I should have been more motivated, and, and the biggest goal is to get through the San Juan Mountains of Colorado before the snow hits, and I did not get through them before the snow hits, so I had a lot of snow and a lot of cold going through there, and uh, so that was very miserable, but this one day, Uh, In the collegiate peaks, it was snowing and the wind was blasting pretty much the whole day, went up over this pass, just getting tossed around in the wind uh, and freezing and finally got down off of the mountain and was walking along a, a dirt road heading right into the wind, you know, the snow is blast- coming straight. You know how you take your hood of your jacket and you kind of pull it sideways across your face to kind of cut the wind off your face and you're peeking around the corner with one eye to see where you're going and uh, uh oh yeah. And so the the snow, it was so cold that the snow was just forming on the front of me because it was blowing horizontal in the wind and it, I mean, a couple inches of ice would form and I'd have to like scrape it all off and it was just miserable, and I was with Turtle then, and I said, "If a car comes down this road, I am, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> That's it. I've reached my limit." And so we hike on for this for a long time. Finally, the snow stops, and and there, you know, a little sucker hole comes out, and the the sun was kind of teasing us for a little bit, and we finally get to the bottom of we bottom out to where we're going to go. and We need to cross. Over and start to make the ascent up the next mountain, and uh, we come to the to the bottomlands there, and the and the beavers had dammed up this creek, and so the whole lowlands were just flooded in about four feet of water. And oh. so we had been frozen the whole day, and here it is we have to ford through this whole thing. And so I was trying to jump from bush to bush <laughs> to keep from getting wet, and then finally, of course, I missed the jump and and that was the worst that was the worst
0: and if a, oh, yeah.
2: if a car would have come I probably would have I would have bailed I think but thankfully it didn't so that was one of the worst and just I think I did a record number of sit-ups in Colorado because at night it was so cold I would do sit-ups to to keep warm and uh yeah so my advice to anyone is to I told this to Wolverine. <laughs> advice I go if you're going southbound on the CDT, as soon as you get out of Glacier National Park, start running. <laughs> you need to start running so you can get to the get to the San Juans where the snow hits. Uh, let's see. So one of the better days.
1: I, I know you had some good ones, Troubadour, because I was with you through some good days there on the AT. Yeah,
2: it's it's I think. I don't know if I can pull out a specific one. You know the, I can pull out the, you know, you can remember the feeling of some of those days where you just you have the power and you you have the strength and it feels like your mind is just going for a ride on your body because you're 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 rocking it uh, you're doing so well. But I can't. I'm not really pulling one of those out of my mind. Um, let's see. Well, of course you you have to love the the Shenandoah National Park on the on the AT, just because you can have breakfast and lunch and dinner all in one stretch, and uh, the grade is really nice, and you're there amongst all your friends and your hiker trash buddies.
1: Did, did you pull that off? Did you get the uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner when you were in the Shenandoah? I did. I
2: think we hit the three, the three. Uh, I forget what they were, but I remember the three restaurants. There were three, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking one of them was Skyland, but if I don't look at a map, I couldn't yeah. tell you. But something you're right. I mean, it was, what, like seven miles between each one, yeah. if I remember? something like that.
2: And then I think we hit the last one and closed the place down and then wandered down to the next shelter.
1: Um, oh, let's see. Um... There's, so so many miles, so many good times. Right.
2: There is something uh, on my <clears throat> CDT experience. I think one of the one of the things that's cool about that trail is when the times when I was hiking by myself, and you have to totally rely upon yourself and your own navigation abilities, is there's something really frightening and also fulfilling about that experience because you're kind of out there in the middle of nowhere on your own. Um, in pretty remote area, and it's pretty awesome to end up where you want to end up. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you know where you are, and you've made it, and that, that type of stuff. Um, so I think uh, I think there's one day in particular when I left, uh, what town is that? Salmon, Idaho. And I got back on by myself, and I think I spent the next three days on my own, and just navigating through there, through some sections where there's no trail and that kind of stuff. So that's pretty that's pretty cool adventure and and fulfilling at the same time.
1: So do you have, I mean, all the miles you've hiked on the trail, do you have like one piece of gear that you cherish more than anything else?
2: Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of what did I... Is there something that I used consistently? Um, you know, I did the Appalachian Trail kind of like old school, heavyweight, big boot, big pack type of style. And for the other two hikes, I went ultra light. And so... Um,
1: yeah, you can't, you can't compare the two because I'll tell you on the AT, there were times where I had easily a pack over 50 pounds. Oh, yeah. Without a question.
2: Yeah, me too. I carried crazy stuff. I, I think I, candle, I carried a candle, candle lamp. I think that thing weighed two pounds.
1: <laughs> but you know, I mean, back, I mean, that was 20 years ago. The gear was different. I mean, most of the lightest weight tents that were out there at the time were five pounds. Yeah, right? five pounds.
2: Yeah. I actually um, didn't love my. I had one of those North Face. Uh, I can't remember what North Face freestanding tent. I actually carried that thing. It was f- five pounds, but I loved it because it was awesome to get in there to get away from the bugs, and. Uh,
1: uh, well, the other thing is the packs were a lot heavier because, uh, you know, if you had a Dana design, which was the pack of the time, you yeah. were carrying a seven and a half pound pack, yeah. you know?
2: I actually, I started out with an external frame and then in Vermont, I switched to the Dana, the Dana pack. <laughs> and then on the uh, Pacific Crest Trail, I actually started out with that Dana pack and then I ditched it and I got a backpack that was mesh and just had shoulder straps, it had no hip belt. I carried. I use that for the entire trip, and I, I'm.
1: I made my switch in New Hampshire. I had a JanSport frame pack, and I finally, after changing many parts out, bought the Dana when I got to New Hampshire. Yeah, I, so. I
2: think the. I, yeah, I don't know. My gear changed around. I guess the one thing I that I used a lot for navigation, I had one of those Sun Two watches with the compass and altimeter in it. I used that a lot for navigating. And then I also liked my uh, little Petzl headlamp, you know, the little tiny guy. Yeah. That's because I ended up night hiking a lot, um, and then the other stuff kind of switched around. I mean, I used the Pepsi can stove on the CDT, and I used Esbits on the on the Pacific Crest Trail, and on the Appalachian Trail I had a WhisperLite stove. You know, so I don't know. I guess I I, I changed it all up. Um,
1: that's part of the part of the learning process right and also the gear improving over time because uh you know it seems like there's always something um, better coming out every single day in terms of gear
2: yeah i went with i went with low cost things (laughs) i mean if i had to do like the cdt over again i would have done i think i would have done some stuff differently because i ended up freezing to death a lot and i probably would have chipped in warmer gear. I think I was a little, I went a little bit crazy with the ultralight thing and was being a little inflexible around that. So I think I could have saved myself a lot of suffering if I would a got like a down jacket and, and a better sleeping bag and stuff like that.
1: So, so, uh, Troubadour, the final big question. Somebody that's contemplating a thru-hike or even contemplating the Triple Crown, you got any advice for them? Uh, um...
2: I mean, the main advice would I would say do it i, I think if I, I look at my life the the through hikes one even just one through hike i mean let alone three um, one through hike really just in has enriched my life a great deal, and you know even to this day you know I derive a lot of strength and uh, from those experiences and those memories and You know, I don't think I have that much uh, satisfaction out of a lot, you know, of career and work and that type of stuff. I think, you know, at the end of my life, I think work and all that stuff is just going to fade away. And, you know, you're going to think about, you know, those glorious summers spent, you know, with friends on, on an awesome adventure. So I would say if you're thinking about it, you should definitely make the time to do it. It's very worthwhile. And I think your you know your life experiences and those moments you know even though it's just five months six months or whatever the that living is so full and rich um they're the you know it's the most full days I think you can have uh in a in a lifetime so i i guess my advice would be to to do it figure it out figure out how to how to make it happen and 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 do it
1: yeah, there's definitely an intensity to it that, in a good way that's hard to describe until you're out there, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, even – I don't know if you kept a journal on your hikes, and and I, I remember my experiences of just trying to write a journal entry about the day, and you think back to what happened in the morning, and you think, didn't that happen three days ago? Because <laughs> you know, the days are so full, you know, and you can't – you know, it's kind of amazing that way.
1: Troubadour, I did keep a journal. I'll shoot you a link to it. But honestly, I mean, this is 20 years later almost, right? And I still look at it every year. Yeah. I, I, I will look to see where I was on that day, you know, I mean, and who I was with and what I was doing. Um, I'm so glad I kept a journal. I mean, I think anybody that's going to through hike, that, that's great advice because you're going to want to remember. I promise you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Actually, yesterday was my CDT finish anniversary. I I finished on December 1st. <laughs> Wow. At the Mexico border. Uh, so I was, I was actually thinking about that yesterday. I was like, oh, I, I was in Mexico <laughs> uh,
1: 11 years w- ago. Was it hot on December 1st? It probably was, right?
2: It, uh, it was actually, uh, it would get into the 60s during the day. So that was actually pretty nice after freezing to death in, in Colorado. <laughs> w-
1: would you actually recommend a southbound hike over a northbound
2: you know, I kind of had the southbound one forced onto me just because of the late start. And definitely fewer people, you know, there were only three people in heading south my year. I, you know, that was 11 years ago, so I think the class size might be larger. Uh, the one thing is I did get to meet all the northbounders.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: It was kind of neat because they were all in groups, and I was by myself. So uh, I think I kind of thought I was a, kind of a bit of a weirdo. Oh, and uh, I actually did meet... Um, Someone from the PCT. Actually I had two I had two odd experiences. On the Appalachian Trail, I started the Appalachian Trail with Sven. Do you remember
1: him? Trail Sweep? Yeah. Yeah, Trail Sweep. I totally do.
2: Me and him I met him at the at the top of uh Springer Mountain at the very beginning. He was there with some friends and they were drinking champagne and I kinda staggered up there after having my butt kicked from that first eight miles or whatever it was.
1: No, dude, the, the Approach Trail is yeah. no joke. Anybody <laughs> listening to this right now that's going to hike the AT this year, don't take the Approach Trail lightly.
2: So it's funny because I met him that very first day, and I did not see him again until New Hampshire. So then I go four, five years later, I go to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. He and I start out together
0: <laughs> on wow. the same
2: day. We didn't meet each other at the marker, but we met the next day. We actually both started on the same day. So that's totally crazy.
1: Yeah, did you have any other – that was one of the questions I had on my list, and I forgot to ask you. Did you have any other crossover people that you met on one long-distance trail that ended up being on another when you were hiking?
2: Yeah, so I met Sven on the AT and on the PCT. And then on the Continental Divide Trail, I ended up crossing, uh, meeting three people from the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, there was one guy I met on the PCT on um, – Mount Whitney, or he'd come down Mount Whitney, and I was heading up the next day, and what was his trail name? I uh, can't remember his trail name. Some, not Moses, but something along those lines. He had a big staff. Anyway, I met him in Montana on the on the CDT. He was heading northbound. It was pretty, pretty odd to just come around the corner, and there's this guy I know from the Pacific Crest Trail. And then the similar experience, this guy, his trail name was, uh, man, I'm horrible people's trail names. Uh, I can picture him, but I can't. Uh, Sly Man, Sly Man. I met him on and off on the PCT. And then one day uh, in, I guess it was Montana or Idaho, maybe Idaho, I was hiking by myself and I coming along the woods and I look down and I see four guys and one of them is Sly Man. And I just say hey Sly Man, the trail is over here. <laughs> and he goes, Troubadour, where the hell did you come from? <laughs> <laughs>
0: and
2: uh, yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. That was kind of neat about heading southbound on the CDT that I got to see all the northbounders. And then another PCT hiker named Jen Owen I met on the CDT as well and we stopped and had lunch together. She was heading north, I was heading heading south, and uh, so that was kind of cool. And one other last thing that I'll say about the CDC, since there were only three of us hiking southbound, you know, we each knew our footprints, you know, the only footprints out there. So when you're hiking by yourself, you can see, oh, there's Mike, he went this way, and you get to some place where you're trying to figure out the route, and you're like, well, Mike took a right here, but I'm looking at the map, and I'm thinking I should go this way instead. (laughs)
1: so were, were you were you usually right or was the first guy usually right
2: um a couple times I was definitely right and after the hike I remember talking to him he he actually lived out on Lopez Island here in Washington and we got together a couple times and and uh I remembered a few things I mean I remember south of here I saw your footprints go out one direction and that was the wrong way and he's like I know that was the wrong way <laughs> and uh yeah,
1: kind of funny. Yeah, it's a, it's a small trail community though. It's cool that you're uh, bouncing into different people on different trails.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, Troubadour, I can't thank you enough for the uh, the interview. I uh, I'm gonna have to corner Wolverine and then let you two compare notes because uh, you both uh, have some good stories to tell. But it's it's great to talk to you again after all these years.
2: Thank you very much. I, I hope that was helpful. It's uh, you know, been 11 years since my last thru-hike, so a little bit, it's all starting to blend a little bit. So it's nice to, nice to be able to talk about those things again, especially to someone who's thru-hiked before. That's awesome.
1: Well, And t- 20 years this spring, AT, the moment that kicked it all off for you. We'll have to see if, uh, if you show at trail days in Damascus, because I plan on being there. Oh,
2: really? That's kind of a jump for me, but that would be pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, that'd be a big jump for you, yeah. for sure.
2: Twenty years, we're we're turning into old men.
1: <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, hey man, it's great talking to you again. And um, you know, if if I uh, if you get to Atlanta, look me up, and I'll do the same if I get to Seattle.
2: Yeah, come out to Seattle. We'll hit the we'll hit the Cascades.
1: Yeah, sounds
0: great, man. Great talking to you.
2: All right, Bert Shooter. Thanks a lot.
0: Okay, take care. <clears throat> Bye. Thanks for listening to the N2 Backpacking Podcast. This is Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this podcast, visit Apple's iTunes store or download them directly at n 2 backpackingcom from the podcast tab on the secondary menu. Music from this podcast was provided by the John Zed Band. For more information on this Atlanta-based musician, visit his website at johnzed.com. That's JohnZEDD.com. Or search for his latest release through iTunes. This podcast is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures, Inc. For more information or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2 Backpacking. That's the letter N, the number 2, Backpacking.com.